Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sirtos podcast, officially calling this The Lost File. Um, no lie, I did not actually lose this file, just life, school, everything got in the way. Super excited to present this podcast to you. It's actually almost a year old. I recorded the audio last August, which is absolutely wild and slightly embarrassing, but that's how life is. Um, and we will definitely be doing a follow-up with our guest who is on this episode to see how his dance program in New York has grown. Season four of the Circos podcast. Maria here by myself today um, to kick off the season with an episode uh, that I think will be really interesting. It's from someone who is based in New York, and as a former New Yorker, obviously this is important to me. So without further ado, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and a little bit about you. Hi, my name is uh, Dimitri Karabas. Uh, I'm from Las Vegas. Uh, I grew up dancing there. I've been in New York for about two years now. And uh, this last spring, I kind of started my own uh, dance program uh, because I wanted to kind of present dances I've never been able to explore before and do them in a way that I wanted. So awesome. that's my quick intro. So. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about Las Vegas and growing up in, in Vegas and dancing in Vegas. If you can, yeah, or did, well, did you dance in Vegas? I'm sure you did, but. Yeah, well, it, it's more and more everywhere in the U.S. now, but especially on the West Coast, uh, the FDF competition is a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for me growing up, that was you know, the community, the Greek community was my community. And that those were the people I interact with and preparing for dance was everything. Or at least for me, I, I don't know. Other people had more hobbies, I suppose, than I did. As a, right. <laughs> but uh, you know, that was the, one of the more exciting things uh, growing up. So you know, we don't have the, the biggest Greek population in Las Vegas, but it's not super tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more than 11,000 Greeks now. Oh, wow. So, you know, we had the, the population we had and we had a, some good teachers and uh, did what we did. Yeah. Are they, are the Greeks in Vegas from any specific part of Greece or is it kind of a, a mix up or is there, I guess, a more predominant Greek culture in Vegas, like from a, you know. I'm not sure. Maybe back then I didn't really pay as much attention, to, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, it seemed like it, it, there was a big mishmash because, you know, I, in our dance group when I was about a teenager until I was in a, an adult, we did like a lot of creation and a lot of content mm. almost exclusively. So we did get a lot of complaints because everybody yes. wanted other things. Sure. So, you know, but then there were people who were happy about what we were doing just to see anything happening. Other people who were Pontian and whatever it was. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the demographics were specifically. Awesome. That's so interesting. Um, it's so funny to me. It's not funny, but I don't really know the right word for it to think about like places like Vegas. And when I, I've only been there twice, it's like not my favorite place in the entire world. Cause obviously I've only been to like the strip part of Vegas. I'm sure the outside desert mountainy part is probably much cooler. Um, but it's so interesting to me because 
when you think about a place like that, you think about like tourism. And I feel like I don't think about real people actually living there. You know what I mean? Which is pretty short-sighted of me, but That's something um, I get yeah, yeah. Um, it's similar. I just moved to South Florida and I think people think of Florida and they think about like just visiting and there's like really a core group of awesome people who live here all the time, you know, and they're not just old people. So um, awesome on that. I remember this past year I was watching uh, FDF on YouTube because I had just come from HDF and I was like going through withdrawals. So I watched, I think every single competition. Um, yeah, it was a lot of time, but it was really great. Um, and I remember seeing the Las Vegas answers. I think they did a Pontic set and I was like, Las Vegas. Oh my goodness. So it's funny that it comes full circle now. Um, so growing up Greek dancing, moved to New York. Um, what are you doing now? Like what brought you to New York? Um, what really like kind of fills your cup and, and where does dance live for you right now? Well, I'm, I moved to New York, uh, uh, I guess at the time we thought it was halfway through the pandemic, but it was like a third of the way, mm-hmm. but it was like July of 2020. Oh, wow. I did a big road trip. I, I just needed to do something. I think myself, like a lot of people going nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, with the pandemic and uh before everything started i was saving up money to move from las vegas anyway mm-hmm. and uh, uh to pursue uh music i you know I, I make i write music and i that's what i moved here to pursue um mm-hmm. i just thought maybe that the that the new york would open up faster than it did uh so when i came here it was slow going i was still a lot of lockdown um, and in my first nine months, I lived in, in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, then I started making little trips to Astoria, you know, I hear about, you know, Greeks in Astoria, and then I come here, there's all these markets, there's all these mm-hmm. restaurants, a lot of nice things. So then last spring, I decided to look for an apartment here, and uh, I kind of felt, I fell into Greek dance, I, well, I, I was looking for a dance Group, I thought it would be fun to get into dancing and I hadn't danced oh. for almost a decade yeah coming out of retirement there <laughs> and I, you know and it's part, partly because you know whatever issues maybe I had with the community back then in Las Vegas and sure was the, the competition aspect can become a little toxic in certain ways I think it's mm-hmm. a double-edged sword with uh competition presents mm-hmm. uh, so and I, I wanted to find a, a group and I, I was looking around and one of the things I was looking for is like, there has to be a dance group that's not attached to a church. Yeah. You know, and that's a, a, another issue for me. I mean, I, I don't want to have to go to church. I don't want to have to be berated about it. Sure. And so um, I joined in with the Greek American Folklore Society. Mm-hmm. They nice people who welcomed me in. And at the time, I didn't have any ideas in my head about competition again or my own groups. And that mm-hmm. wasn't until I, I started uh, teaching at a private school in the neighborhood and I was just seeing more and more like what the dance community was like in Astoria seemed a bit depressed especially after the pandemic mm-hmm. uh so got to change this culture you know we have to get people pumped uh, treat dance more than just like a casual community thing sure and I think that is the benefit of like the competition aspect it, you know lights this fire like well we're gonna Train hard. We're going to learn interesting things. 
and it's encouraging for the teachers to go to Greece to, to do research, mm-hmm. which I ended up doing this summer as well. So I, you know, I started trying to recruit people in, in the spring. I kind of I originally was at the school I was teaching at, kind of branched out now. Now I'm going to be uh, running the whole program independently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, in September is when we're kind of trying to push the big launch and get a lot of people recruited. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to go all in. So we're starting the program October. We're hosting a workshop to bring a, a teacher from Greece. Mm-hmm. His, his name is Kyriakos Moisidis. Mm-hmm. One of the big names for Pontian dance, uh, mm-hmm. all the research you can imagine. And, yeah. you know, it's just to show how deep the levels go. You know, I want to make sure I do my homework as a teacher and I want to make sure we bring people who really know their stuff. So as I'm building this thing, you know, hopefully it builds to a point so that I can host maybe two uh, workshops a year, mm-hmm. you know, bring different teachers and, and uh, get something really nice going and kind of get people pumped and uh, dedicated to dance. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a lot of guests on the podcast talk about, um, especially when they're like maybe a little bit older looking for like, let's call it like an adult dance group or something like that. Like not talking about like little kitties. Um, but even, even sometimes people who have are interested for their young kids, like a dance group that is independent of the church because of the constraints that sometimes the church places on things. Like you must be a member of the church to have yourself or your children enrolled in dance. And in some ways I can understand that. I understand the point of the church is to try to build their community, you know, bring in like little kids, right? Like get them, you know, going through Sunday school and and moving up. But I personally also feel like you should never have to say to do X, you must oblige to membership here with just your money. Right. Right. Because that's really, that's really what it, boils down to. It is no offense to groups that are tied to their church. I grew up in that. I have plenty of people who teach for their church and have fantastic groups. I also have plenty of people who teach independently and really, really strive to do more because they can do more because the church is not placing constraints on them, right? Like I think there's very much a time and place for a dance group that is raised up in the church performs for the church festival is, you know, very much like that. But then when you have people who want to learn more and you feel like you can't do that because there's constraints placed on you with the church, I think that becomes problematic because we're, we're stunting our own growth. Um, and it, it's very similar to like when people are baptizing a child or something like that. It's like, oh, you have to be a member of this church to baptize a kid here. Like why I don't understand, you know, I don't get it. Again, if it's an affiliated organization, sure, I I can understand that. But I think there's such an important place for, let's call them like independent dance groups. Um, Because I I just, I don't ever think you should stunt the progress of a dance group because of the constraints of any other organization, even if it was like a school or or whatever. Um, So kudos to you (laughs) for doing that. I think that's, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not. But at the same time, I think one of the bigger problems for me is that you can't assume that all Greeks are religious. Of course. And you can't expect that they, for us or for anybody that's not religious to um, practice our culture and heritage that we have to be. Sure. 
And that's, Agreed. And that's it, you know, and so it, the benefit is that, you know, if you're religious and you join a dance group like mine, you can still go to church. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying one way or another to do this right. or that. We're just here to do dance stuff. Right. Music stuff, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, yeah, that's where I, I would stand on that. It's Yeah. And I, I think it kind of gets to, this is like a little bit of a weird comparison, but if you think about like the Likion in Greece, like wherever it might be, Likion is separate, right? Sure. They may be the group that performs or that the city works with for like huge feast days or whatever, right? There's, there's an important responsibility of a Likion to, con, you know, do certain things, but they're not, you know, they do their own thing. They're not tied or constrained to anything. Um, I also think that's an important thing because there are examples specifically of the church interfering with how we practice the traditions, especially when it comes to uh, things like apocryphus mm-hmm. and where dance groups are have like one arm tied behind their back because they can't express the full uh, tradition of it because of, there's a lot of like naughty things. In, sure. But, you know, that's that's our background. Yeah, it goes to there's a difference. Be, I, I feel like there's a and it becomes a, an issue where cultures clash because mm-hmm. there's a like Greek religious people of America and then there's the Greeks of Greece. And sure. you've seen like Apopius in the villages in Greece. You see even the old Yayada singing along and clapping mm-hmm. and kids running around. And it's only here where we're like, oh. Have to shield everybody from everything. I can't believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and to kind of further that, it's also so interesting that there's such a variety, too. You know what I mean? Like, um, I went in here in South Florida. Um, there's a ton of churches, and I went to um, St. D's in Fort Lauderdale. Um, for they had a huge apocryphal party right at the church in the hall. I couldn't tell you if the priest was there because I don't know what he looks like. And there were people dressed up as priests, you know, that night for apocryphal. So which one was the real priest? I have no idea. But it was like, okay, we're gonna do it. Like it wasn't like this crazy whatever that people are so afraid of. And there's just such variation across different communities. You know what I mean? Where and again, I agree with you. I think this, we have an opportunity to teach about our culture and to talk about things. And I mean, we could get into a whole philosophical discussion about this. Like, I think we don't talk to our kids enough about things and explain things. And then that's why they end up like spinning off their, you know, off their wheels because no one has spoken to them and been like, let's talk about what this means. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Easy enough for me to say, cause I'm not a parent, so I shouldn't be talking, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I starting a group in, in New York city or in Astoria area. Um, tell us about it. What's it called? What are your kind of short-term goals for it? Um, how do people get involved if they want to? Well, the, the program is called Meraki Folk Dance Astoria. And, uh, you know, I, it's a, it's a name I think a word that connects with me, you know, I, especially if we're trying to overcome that casual, just a casual community group aspect of Greek dance. You know, I wanted to say, you know, this is something that I want people to join. It's not just about the dance. It's about 
pursuing something as a community and experiencing our culture and heritage together, you know, mm-hmm. that I think that part of it is the difficult part to capture. We get hung up on competitions or parastasis, wherever, and how we're supposed to present these things and uh, kind of forget the core of the communal experience of our, of singing together communally and dancing mm-hmm. together communally. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm, I would like to try to capture because for me, being able to study a Greek dance to bring it back to teach a group it is like unlocking secrets of our history, right? Yeah. You know, in, in what other contexts, it's like it, you have a museum, you can go look at history. You can go look around all over Greece at history. Mm-hmm. But how many different things... And is are there where we practice something that was practiced more or less the same way hundreds of years ago, mm-hmm. and it that is meant to be the sh- a communal experience. Absolutely. And I, I think it, this is something that people try to capture all the time, whether successfully or not. I think probably successfully a lot. I think that's what a lot of dance music in clubs is about. I mm-hmm. think every every culture has an innate need to move tribally, right? Yeah. But at the same time together, like, the, the, you know, just dancing alone in my apartment is not as effective as, and this is an inexplicable feeling, right? It's mm-hmm. being with people around you. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, I think that's one reason why dance music is such a global phenomenon. There's, you know, hit songs uh, that are played in clubs everywhere that people are connecting to moving to together. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for us, these are our, you know, this is our history. These are our songs. These are our dances that we get to experience together. So mm-hmm. we, in the short term, I, I mean, I, obviously I would like to compete. I'd like to perform with the groups to showcase everything we're doing, but I want it teach community and uh, an experience mm-hmm. uh, together uh, with whoever I get to join the groups, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there's a lot of value in that, especially after a time where we've all been kind of carved out into our homes and left to not experience community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think especially for younger members who might've spent the last two years, which are, of years for anybody, even adults, mm-hmm. uh, not experiencing community, teach them how to be with people. Absolutely. If if a nail was hit on the head, it just happened. Um, I, I totally believe that because I think you're so right that, and this has nothing to do with, you know, yes or no, COVID or no stance or what, political, nothing. It's what happened over the past two years was um, a removal of innate community. And as humans, we need that. We, we push for that. And that community is, is defined in how we feel it. Right. So maybe you're an introvert and you're like, I'm not, I'm not big on the big things. Right. Does it, that doesn't matter. Community can just be a, a, a group of two, right. Or a group of three. It, it's not, it's not talking about size or function or whatever. Um, but I, I really believe that. And I really 
you see that in people. Um, I work professionally sort of with kids um, in a roundabout way. Um, and you see that in them. They, they, they don't know how to just be with other people right now, or it, it feels so uncomfortable to them. Um, and I, I feel like that's such a change because normally with kids, like that's not something that that happens with them. They don't have that affective filter just yet, right? Like they're just, they're kids, they go and play, they do whatever, that's what they do. But the past two years has really changed a lot. I, I think it has changed obviously for adults too. So I commend you for like focusing on bringing that community together because that's what we need. And then you're right. The other things like the festival shows or shows for hire or performances can come later, but you need to, we need to rebuild that connectiveness, you know? I mean, um, I, I watched a, a TED talk. I, I came across this fellow. He, he's not Greek, but he did a whole TED talk about the healing songs of Epiros. Oh, we had him on the podcast. We did? Chris King. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot of truth to the healing aspect of mm -hmm. that communal expression of music and dance. Yes. And another, absolutely. For what I, I think is important for the dance groups, you see a lot of groups perform, but they've somehow separated the dance from the music. Mm -hmm. And I think that loses a huge part of it. You cannot disconnect the two. Mm -hmm. The students do not understand or appreciate what they are hearing. Mm -hmm. There is going to be a disconnect from uh, what the steps are. Mm -hmm. so, and I think that takes away from the communal experience as well. So, you know, a big part of it is us learning the songs, singing with the dances and mm -hmm. finding that feeling that comes along with it. It's mm -hmm. difficult to explain like that, the feeling mm -hmm. you get when you bring those things together. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you haven't experienced that, um, you're like, okay. Or you, you try to put that thought process to like an American song, right? Or a, a, a pop song and okay, yes, but no, it's totally different because like, if you think about it, what comes first, the step or the music in Greek dance? And it it really is dependent, right? Like if you're there with somebody playing live and you're leading the dance, let's say like how Chris King was talking in his in his work that like the the person with the drum, right, is is waiting for you as the as the leader to sort of make the next move. And that kind of like interconnectedness is not something that you find, unless to use your word, you're really looking at tribal connections, right? Like that's very tribalistic. That's very like, kind of like, I'm gonna say a word that's, I don't, I'm not saying this to piss anyone off. It's like primitive, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it primitive has to be a bad word. I know some might, but this, it is comes down to like these cultural tribal instincts, right? Yes. We're talking about. Yeah. And I think, a, the reason why you can't even see, you shouldn't see primitive as a bad word is because I think we lose our minds and our way if we don't have some of that somewhere. Mm -hmm. not indulging in, in that, that's part of what the human experience is. 
Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, I think maybe some of what, I think you can come up with a few examples of why it's an issue of the disconnect of the music and the dance is because of recording technology. Sure. Um, I think as soon as we, you know, I, a lot of us growing up, our teachers were using cassettes or CDs. <laughs> yes. On not like a big sound system where like the speakers fill you up or something like like a concert or anything like that. We're talking about like stop talking so that we can hear the music on the boom box. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I think maybe that's part of like why that has happened. And so I think when you don't have live music in front of you and you're not experiencing it like that, it's difficult to teach that. But I think we have more more examples of uh musicians playing even for practices mm -hmm. which I think is really important and helpful yes yes that was one of my favorite things um I went to HDF for the first time last year so you know more the east coast although there were west coast dance groups who were at HDF right um but I went for the first time last year and it was so amazing to see the dance groups there like running their rehearsals with all their like live musicians, right? And they would practice with them throughout the year or the live musicians, the musicians would send up like their version of whatever songs so that the kids kind of could hear it, you know, all that stuff. But it threw me back to dance practices in the church hall where you literally had your boom box and you had your tape and it was like, oh, rewind it. Up, it skips there because you know Stavro hit the record button by mistake and recorded <laughs> over the tape, you know. Um, and I'm just like, how it's so amazing that we swung in a way backwards, right? To bring the traditional music back in. Obviously, it's a swing forward, but you know what I mean. Um, and like I I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I wish like this is kind of weird to me, but I wish like time travel was a thing that like some of the younger kids could see like how our dance practices were back in the day, because we did not have that. Like if it was yeah. like, even the bands who would play at our festivals, you know, it was like not what they have these days. You know, it was like, we're going to play Calamatiano for 17 hours and then we're going to do a Hasapo Sebrico and everyone's going to be so excited. All on a synthesizer. <laughs> right. Exactly. 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 God bless America. Oh my God. Yes. Um, yeah, it, that was a really, really cool, cool part of HDF. And, and I agree with your sentiments that competition can be a double-edged sword. A huge positive to it, in my opinion, is that experience of being like engulfed in sort of this tradition extracted from Greece and, and brought here, you know what I mean? Um, and often by, you know, a mix of people, like there's a lot of Greek American musicians that play there and it's like, you know, there's also, I mean, I feel like we need more. I've talked many times about how we need like a Greek band camp, but you know, it's not just like they flew in all these musicians from Greece and whatever. Sure, they're there too, but a lot of it is really led by these, you know, Greek American like musical kind of pioneers, if you will. You know. Um, well, I mean, I for me, when I think of the pros and cons of competition, uh, two big ones are 
that that fire lights under like the, the, all the kids that are uh, want to do well. They want so they're encouraged encouraged to come to practice. And, mm-hmm. As well, I think it's it pushes the teachers to go and do their homework. Sure. Uh, which I think is the, the biggest thing that has come out. Of course, the the downsides, which I remember seeing since I, I haven't been through the competition since probably 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you have maybe some, a, a couple of generations of kids now that maybe you're just raised in competition and so that's what they think Greek dance is including their parents mm-hmm. and it, I I remember one of my my experiences that was really off-putting where I was getting close to the time where I was leaving you know dance way back mm-hmm. when Mm-hmm. was I had just done a dance workshop in northern Greece in the summer and I had come back and there was a dance board meeting and uh, I, the dance board is made up of parents and such and I'm talking about what I think would be interesting to teach the kids mm-hmm. and a parent who uh, other parents agreed with said wait wait why would we do different dances this year the the dances that they they just did they won at the company they won so they said why wouldn't we just do that again mm-hmm. i mean to even have that debate mm-hmm. that we're not thinking on the same yes what we're doing here what are we doing here yeah yeah and in their mind they're just we're here to win things yeah and absolutely how, how do i convince somebody whose mind is thinking like that, that that's not what we're here for. Yes, totally. Um, I, I agree with that. And I can see like, I didn't grow up in that type of dance group, right? Evan and I had a dance group in upstate New York for a very long time. We were relatively, we were kind of split sort of independent from the church, but also a church really supported us with practice space. Um, we gave back a lot to them as well, like by renovating that space, so on and so forth. But we didn't ever learn just one region, right? We learned, we danced all over the place. Our practices would literally be Evan turning on his mix, uh, like all of his music, shuffling it, and we'd be dancing Crete one moment, Rhodes the next, mm. Breveza the next, you know, Kefalonia the next, we just bounce around. Um, and there's a lot you know, to that, like some people may say like, okay, well, you're just kind of scratching the surface. Like, did you really dig deep into like the style and, and more of that? And sure for most regions, no, but there were regions that we really dug deep in. We were also not a group that ever competed. So for us having a huge repertoire Hmm. where we executed the dances to, you know, a certain level was, was great. We didn't need that specificity that the judges are looking for at competition. But I think only teaching to one style or one set even is so damaging to the the dancers because they leave there and they like you can really turn someone and make them very, very boxed into what they think Greek dance is very, very easily. Where if you throw on a different song or you know, maybe it, there's like a different, like a different melody. They don't realize that it's the dance that they know. And that, that's like, 
some kind of screwy conditioning that you can do to someone, you know, um, to your point though, not every teacher is going to be able to teach from all over, but that's why you go to workshops. That's why you go to like La Grafia in Montreal and you learn so many different things, or you go to workshops in Greece over the summer to immerse yourself, to kind of bring it back, you know? Um, I, I think that there's this, there's an, uh, the benefit I, to what the, the community that I kind of fallen into, ne- into now is that, you know, the, I like, I still dance with and go to practices with the uh, Greek American folklore society that does practice mm-hmm. that way where they do the, the variety of dances. And which I think is, is super valuable. Uh, however, I am I, I do lean more towards teaching specific things, mm-hmm. uh, and especially for me because I like to dive in and obsess over mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I mean, that's just in not just in dance, but I, I do that in other things. It's like sure. I, I tunnel vision. And yeah, it's like oh, what about Macedonian dance? Well. I would like to do Macedonian dance, but wait, you gotta wait. Come, give me a couple of years. Let me. Yeah. <laughs> let me exhaust this. <laughs> but for me, it's I think that's a good re- way, reason uh, to collaborate. Why right? you know mm-hmm. my group is not uh, something that's in opposition or conflicting with what they're doing. I can I can encourage all of my dancers to you know come de- learn what we're doing this year. We're doing uh, you know specific things of. And then you should go to uh, gas practice to get more. Sure. I think it should all feed itself. And the more times a week that you practice, the better. Make mm-hmm. whole life dance. Don't do anything mm-hmm. else. Right. And what a novel idea that you could dance with different groups. Yeah. What a novel idea. Like you don't have to, um, you know, just be so tunneled to one to one group you know and because I mean I I can see the value in that I can also see the ease of that as an adult versus the difficulty of that as like a young adult or a kid obviously but um, I just you know I think as teachers and we've touched on this in so many other episodes we have such a responsibility to make sure that we fling the eyes open of our students you know and some a, a great way of doing that is going to workshops, going to competitions so that they see all the differences. You know what I mean? As long as they can kind of get past um the fact of like not watching other dance groups to be like, oh my gosh, they're so much better than us, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not the point. Please watch what they're doing so you can see, like, oh, maybe next year we can start to dabble in this region because. We hated it before, but when we saw like Florina live or said as live, we're like, oh, now we kind of get it because it's a little bit more abstract, if you will, than like perhaps Cretan, if, if that's how you feel. You know what I mean? Um, so it's I, that's definitely a, a huge benefit for me. And I don't think I really. Um, I didn't think about competition like that until I went and saw it, you know? Yeah. Um, but obviously I've never been to FDF. So that's a, a whole different ball of wax. <laughs> I know. I think I am going this coming year. That's the, that's the plan. So, um, okay. So, and it's funny that your dance group is named Meraki because, um, up in upstate, the last huge workshop that Evan and I hosted, um, we used to do a workshop where 
it was um, like community teaching. So groups would come and their dance instructor would teach. Everybody would share. That's how you learned. And then at the end of the workshop or the, you know, during the party, the Saturday night party, um, we would all perform together. So groups would wear like whatever costume they wanted to wear. Um, you know, so if it Macedonians, they would usually wear their Macedonian costume, so on and so forth. Um, but we would share what we learned as one group kind of performing together and, and choreographed it, which um, hopefully that type of workshop is going to come back, um, which I'll definitely share with you when, when it's happening. Um, but our last workshop like that, the t-shirt, literally we had Medike printed on it and we had like a little bit of a definition because it totally summarizes if you're so in, in my opinion, if you're so engrossed in this dance world, what you're aiming for right. or what drives you to do what you're doing, you know, um, which a lot of people can't understand why we spend so much time doing this stuff, you know? Right. I, and I think it, it culturally people may, might not get it. And I think even some Greeks you might uh, not get it either because, you know, they look at things like the competition and it seems a little silly that, you know, the goal is to go to like a, a competition to compare. Greek mm-hmm. you know, that's a, it is a, a bit of a, if you take a step back from all, all of sure. the life they're like, it is kind of strange. Uh, Could be considered that way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, it, as long as we try to keep, Toward the that the goal of that the communal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you studied in Greece this summer because I had on the uh, podcast Instagram I had seen your post, so I know what it was about. But tell all of our listeners about where you were and and what you saw. Well, I, I went to uh, Crete to to do some studies. I I had my suspicions about you know, things were up with. The way we do Cretan dance, um, mm-hmm. and you know, there are certain things that even just intellectually you think about. You think, I don't think they might have done that in, in the Horio. Like if you, you see the dance groups, like eight women coming out to the front and doing matching figuras. Right. That's <laughs> I think. Oh, everybody in the village would have been. Yeah. Um, and so, and as well, there there is a, a growing uh, number of people doing more homework on the specific parts of Crete. And I remember seeing, uh, even when I was still a, a teenager, uh, one of the California groups uh, at, at FDF, they they did like a specific region of Crete. Mm-hmm. When they performed it, I can't, cannot tell you how many people standing around saying that's not Cretan dance. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the, the tip of the iceberg at that in that moment no it was like nobody knew what they were watching and so i've always really loved Cretan dance and I, the music i listened to a lot because i think it's beautiful mm-hmm. so i went to see what's up with Cretan dance and i didn't mm-hmm. know how far it went you know i i met with this teacher in iraklio he has a school of Horospito. his name is Eganis Plagiotakis. Mm-hmm. spent um, the last uh, 20 years researching and, and collecting archival video uh, and and getting to the the root of Cretan dance mm-hmm. and not what he would call fantasy you know like sure <laughs> fantasy. you know and one thing that to just 
understand straight off the bat is that there is a different tradition that emerged in the 1960s onward, right? Yeah. There was like this resurgence of, of people being interested in Cretan music and dance, a lot of it to do with like the Exiluris family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this was a, a, a thing that was hitting the world, the world globally, uh, you know, once, especially after World War II, you had American culture being filled everywhere. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, young people were saying, why am I going to listen to this music that was old, that hasn't changed, that my grandparents listened to when Elvis exists? When the right. <laughs> when all of these other art forms exist, why, why are we going to experience this? So, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s, of course, the Xilodis family came in kind of made it hip again mm-hmm. and but that did launch more of like this taverna style Cretan dance where they're jumping off of a table off of shot glasses trying to jump as high as they can and uh, kind of like the very very tippy toe mm-hmm. style of, of Cretan dance that a lot of us grew up with um, but at the core we have and well, and as well, then you have dance groups for the last however long only ever doing five dances when there's like 20 others. In, mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. So then you take a step back and you say, okay, there's Kanya, Iraklio, Kanya, Redino, Iraklio, La City. And there are specific dances, specific ways that those dances are done throughout those regions. And it, mm-hmm. it's not just the dance, it's the, the instruments, it's the songs, it's the clothing, where in Western Crete, it's more more lavish embroidery and, and materials used because of the Venetians. Mm-hmm. Or in Eastern Crete, maybe it's a little more plain, not as much embroidery. It's just, there, there are a lot of idiosyncratic things. So mm-hmm. that's what I, I, I went to get a hold of by, you know, the whole world is like, pulled back and now I have this bigger sense of what uh, what I would like to do as for, for my dance groups and mm-hmm. how, we're gonna, uh, how we're going to perform it. So, you know, uh, we're going to, our biggest focuses, I think, this year are going to be dances of Iraklio and dances of La City. Mm-hmm. La City because you name some of these dances and most, even if Cretan people never heard of them, if, if they're not from Crete, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, that's my current obsession in learning about that stuff. And then um, we're also going to be doing dances from Pondos. That's uh, what I have felt most comfortable with. And, you know, I did more studies with that and going back in and doing more homework, bringing Kiriakos Moisidis, getting mm-hmm. more information from him. Next summer, I'd like to go do more, uh, you know, more homework on that. It would be fun mm-hmm. to do uh, a more suite. You know, there's a lot to explore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody you should look up. He was on our podcast. He lives in like Newport News, Hampton Roads, Virginia, um, is Bobby, uh, Dr. Bobby Garifolas. He is insane researcher of dances, mm-hmm. predominantly from La Cithi. And then I think he even drilled down even further um, more recently. I think it was last year. Mm-hmm. 
and me, um, I mean, he was there this year, you know, from Crete, so on and so forth. Well, I don't know if he was born in Crete. I have no idea. I think born in America, but you know what I mean? Um, exceptional researcher, phenomenal teacher, um, and really, really driven to help people understand the small nuances that make something identifiable to specific villages, areas, you know, so on and so forth. Um, he actually, uh, I can send you the link to um, his group. I think they performed, oh my gosh, I feel like they did stuff from La Cithia at HDF. They won, you know, uh, the platinum. I mean, there were, when I was watching, I was like, there's no doubt that they're going to win because of just, to me, it was like their set, even in rehearsals was just oozing um, with authenticity. You know what I mean? Even though if you were like, okay, Maria, we're going to have seven different Cretan dancers. Tell me where they're from. Maybe I'd be able to get a few of them. It's just the way he teaches because he has people really, really understand the, those small variations that make a dance connected to a specific area. Um, really, really amazing. So I'll connect you to him. Um, we know your current obsession, Crete. We know you're like pretty comfortable with Bondos. It's like a thing that you want to explore. And, and I think you'll love having Kiriako teach as well, because he's a really great instructor. Um, are there any areas that you're like, eh, I could do without this, or like, I'm not too into this, anything like that? <laughs> um, maybe, I mean, I guess there's always fun things in every region, but sure. I will say because of how much we did Thracian when I was younger, I don't know how, when, I don't know when I'm going to jump back into to that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and as well, I, I've historically had kind of uh, uh, on a lot of the, a lot of islands, mm -hmm. but I, I'm starting to change my tune on that the more I, I see some details on certain things that are changing my mind about it. Yeah. Like from which island specific, are there any, like, does anything come to mind specifically? Well, I mean, my, my mother is from Cyprus and mm -hmm. I never learned Cypriot dances and I mm -hmm. never really had the, the desire to. And it's one part being because I, I haven't heard, you know, a lot of music that I really connect to. That's mm -hmm. a, one easy way to get me excited about something, get some good music and like, do you like this? Wow. That's now let's see what the dances are about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been kind of finding slowly some interesting things and I might jump into that at some point and I should, right? And sure. Express sure. that part of where my actual heritage is from. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, I I saw a suite of dances from Leros, which kind of, I was like, wow, music is mm -hmm. great. The dances look really cool and, you know, I. Just take something done well and some good music to really just open probably any part of Greece. Yeah, I agree. Um, when you dive into to Cyprus, let people know, because I'm making a gross assumption here, but I don't think we have enough um, people who can teach that really, really well because their, their dances are um, unique. I think they're a little bit more complicated than many other dances that people know. Um, and I also think because of the, his, the history in Cyprus, 
the traditions are a little bit more varied. You know what I mean? Or things that are present that we think about with Cypriot dances are probably just scratching the surface, right? Because so many people were forced out of their homes. They, you know, uh, folded themselves into different societies, stuff like that. Like I, I would venture to guess that if you're looking at like the strength of like knowledge base of different areas of Greek dancing to include Cyprus, that Cyprus is probably pretty low because of what has happened in their history. And that's, you know, it's something to explore. I don't know how you do it. There's a great teacher in London. Um, he's Cypriot, but I don't know of a whole lot of people who, who teach it, you know? I mean, it's even, I think, pretty difficult to search for Cypriot dances. If you if you go on YouTube looking for them, you find certain things here and there, but mm-hmm. almost, you find mostly not very good things. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's difficult to find well-shot, well-performed uh, Cypriot dances, it seems like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We had um, some people on our podcast from... Um, at the time they were not living in Dubai, but they had lived in Dubai and had started a dance group there and stuff like that. And one of them um, is Cypriot. Although I can't remember if she's married, if she's, I think she's not Greek, but married to a Cypriot man. Um, And I think for her, she found Greek dancing or folk dance in general when she moved to Dubai, Hmm. you know? And I'm like, isn't that interesting? Like she, when she's not living in Dubai, she lives in Cyprus with her family. I think she's a teacher in Dubai. So she's there, you know, and then goes back and forth a little bit. Um, but for her, you know, she would dance at like family parties, you know, I think maybe also they lived in Australia for a little bit. So you can see that connection and stuff like that. But, but really where she ignited that sort of fire and flame of, of Greek dances in Dubai. And I'm like, what a cultural mashup, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but that's where it came alive for you because what was she seeking when she was in Dubai, she was seeking connection to a community that was familiar to her. Right. right? Um, so talk about heavy, you know, man, <laughs> we, have, we have a huge responsibility as Greek dance instructors <laughs> or supporters of, of that. Um, so this was really fantastic. I feel like we could continue to like talk all about, all about this. And I, I truly wish you all the best of luck with your dance group. If people want to get involved in New York, or if they, you know, want to connect with you to maybe do a workshop or, or whatever it might be, how do people get in touch with you? I think the easiest way is Instagram for me. Um, I, the, in, on Instagram, there's also a link in the bio is a link tree. It goes to the web uh, part on my website, which has the Meraki stuff. Um, Anywhere that you can find my name, I'll probably answer you back. Um, but I'm most active on Instagram with what we're doing, uh, all of our promotions. So um, yeah, Meraki Folk Dance Astoria on Instagram. Uh, and uh, what is it on the website? I don't remember what it is. Okay. <laughs> I, I know. I'm like, just go to Instagram and then you can find everything That's in the same way. <laughs> I try to link everything. So everything link back into itself exactly just through the link tree you know exactly um, exactly but yeah i mean that's uh, you know we're trying to recruit between this month and all of september we'd like to you know get groups more or less settled by october um and of course in october you know 
come to our workshop. That's mm-hmm. where you want to be able to do a couple workshops a year. And we have to make sure this first one works out. You know, it's uh, two days of, of instruction. And then on the second day in the evening, we're going to have a Glendie. You know, so Amazing. We, we, I think we need more uh, Glendie that are geared toward lots of dances, you know, not just, you know, four hours of Sirto or <laughs> four hours of Thief, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> and what weekend is is the workshop and, and the Glendie? Uh, oh. October 8th, 9th, okay. the 9th on the Sunday. Okay. Awesome. So hopefully this will be out before then. <laughs> I'll make it my goal. <laughs> um, but I mean, really, really awesome. I, this was fantastic. I thank you for, you know, joining on and, and sharing a little bit about you. We'll definitely have you back. We're going to be doing, um, probably in season five, some more like panel type of discussions um that has maybe towards the end of season four it depends on um a little bit of things in my life and and which way they go um but you know just to kind of get people together and and get minds together um so if you all liked this episode please make sure to share it subscribe thank you for having me i I really appreciate reaching out bringing you on here yeah this is a treat for me too to talk about some of the things I, I feel like I'm talk, uh, like trying to preach to my, my students, like, guys, we're trying to do this thing. And I'm like a crazy person. Sure. Something Welcome to the club. Already been. <laughs> <laughs>